Hey, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I wanted to encourage you to go listen to the last episode in the feed, which was all about, which was, a, I believe, a Sunday edition, all about what an what an what an anime ending could be, and it was all about like just the experience of watching the endings kind of grow into their own as I caught myself up on the um, on DC's Young Justice because those became a really interesting thing, but definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. And also, definitely go check out the episode on um, Vampire in the Garden. That's um, the, pre- the previous Thursday edition, so definitely go give that a look. But on that note, what we will be talking about this week is a little show that's both from 1998 and from 2022. And that show is Spriggan. It does a pretty good job of explaining it, but basically it says like, "Hey, um, keep our shit out of the hands of like literally everyone. If you find this, do your best to like not let people do anything with anything that we've made because it's all nightmares, one way or another. Because you're not going to find like our drinking glasses. You're going to find our giant beetle-like death machines." <laughs> Um, and you're gonna fuck up. It's gonna be bad. It was bad for us. We super died. So hey, look out for that. 
Don't let these things get used. Destroy them if you can. Peace out. And they call this the Met. They call these plates, and several of them exist in the show. You actually see. You actually only see two message plates, although you're told there's three. <laughs> um. Which I think, which I think is a pretty good weird touch because of the way they handle the third one, but the these these message plates are made of a material that is straight up indestructible. You cannot. It's like a little the message plate that um you carries around with him in the first episode is about this a little bit bigger than a credit card, or maybe about the size of a credit card, and it's. Written in eight, and the language on it is ancient Hebrew, but nothing can kill this thing. It is indestructible. Whatever it's made out of is like beyond, so far beyond what humanity is currently capable of. So, like, it just like forces you to believe that, like, oh, these motherfuckers mean business. There's some other f- totally fucked shit out there that's gonna get us dead. If we fuck around and find out. So. What this. Kicks off is like a weird problem. Though. It's a problem that lots of. Lots of anime. Have. And an anime that are actually quite famous have. The, the best example I can think of. Is Evangelion. Kind of baby's first Evangelion is that it's got all of these really Christian themes to it, and everybody thinks that means something. But as soon as you hear any interview with um with Anno himself, he's like, "No, I just thought it would like look cool and was thematic enough where it like fit the fit the mold I was trying to work with, and the and like the proper nouns sound neat, and people want to assume they that I know what I'm doing with them, but I don't." And so, all the, all the, um, artifacts that pop up, all the, like, totally nightmarish artifacts that pop up in this show, or nightmarish concepts that pop up in this show, are all, like, twisted, mangled, borrowed, very borrowed, things from mythology somewhere. So eventually you run into a berserker. That's a problem. There's straight up Noah's Ark is in this show. That's probably the least screwed up one of the ones they like clearly messed up. Um, the then there's Soma, which is like the wine, the wine of ancient um, ancient Indian gods. The, like, wine of immortality of the ancient Indian gods. That's in there. Those are kind of the three. And then the last is, is a, is a thank God, wholly original concept that is very neat. But we'll get to that in a second. But this show follows, um, primarily follows a character named Yu Omanae. And Yu Omanae is... A special operative charged with retrieving, sealing, or destroying these like ancient artifacts from a lot from like 
the lost civilization that made all these nightmares. And he works for this for this um, organization called ICAM, called ARCAM. And ARCAM stated goal, once again, is that they are trying to protect the world from this stuff. But for the entire show, and this is pretty interesting, it I'm gonna come right out and say that like people deeply dislike this show. Like deeply dislike this property. Um Gerald Ra Gerald Rascal of Anime World Order, like you can go on his timeline right now on Twitter, you can see him just dragging this shit through the dirt. As well he probably should. Because it its plot plays so loosey goofy with what it's trying to do that it doesn't really it doesn't hold together super tight is like like I wouldn't I wouldn't go over it with a fine tooth comb if I were you but what does what what it does do pretty well is it gives you this sense of what would happen if like all of a sudden we found out that like caveman Cavemen at some point, or what we who we thought were cavemen, created a super nuke, and it was like at the bottom of the ocean. How many people would go racing to the bottom of the ocean to find this like mystical super nuke? And you discover that throughout the show, um, as you meet the different organizations, primarily the U.S. They're going after these like. They call them O-parts. But they're, but they're really like mystic items, basically. So, like I said, one of them is uh, like Wine of the Gods. It's, it's like ancient East Indian um, elixir of immortality. Um, another one is this big beetle roving death machine. Um, there's one that is... There's a crystal skull, there's straight up crystal skull that's like a small skull-sized nuke that's a nightmare thing. Um, there's Noah's Ark. And all, and like going into and out of all of these different adventures with you, there's one kind of constant along the way. Actually, there's two constants along the way. They make it pretty clear that you... Omanai is like he probably started out being just like another soldier being a spriggan for um Arkham. But as he encountered more of these artifacts, as he encountered more of these scenarios, because the key thing they always do is like the artifact is of each episode is the Chekhov's gun of the episode. Which means that it goes off, like it activates or does whatever thing it does in the episode. Like you see the, um, you see the ramifications of what it would be for anyone to use one of these things. So in the first episode, he's going after this, he's essentially trying to keep this big fire dragon sealed in a mountain. In Japan, where he's also from, and like a they they 
pretty cleverly use the introductory character to the series to introduce you to you and like personalize him almost immediately. Because she's like a childhood friend character of his and you see a flashback at the end of the episode, the whole nine yards. But they don't avert the danger. The danger starts to happen. You see the like multi-headed giant flame serpent come out of the mountain and almost kill everything. And then it stopped. I think that's really... I think that's a really key factor to making this show work. Is that... And, and making threats like these things work. Is that you have to show what's about to happen to the world. And you can't just, like, narrate over the last time it happened or whatever. You have to show what everybody's so fucking afraid of or else it won't... Like, it won't take root. And... So many shows, so many shows and properties rely on, oh, it just almost happened. Instead of, and it's a very simple change, but it's a very different thing. It just almost didn't happen. And that's what this show is. That's what all the threats of this show are doing every time. Like, when you get to... Noah's Ark, which ends up being a terraforming and weather manipulation, like, giant boat, basically, you you encounter, like, he gets in a fight with the bad guy of that, like, um, I think his name is General McDougal, and he's like a, he's a, he's a little American piece of shit kid with, um, psychic electric powers. When he gets into the fight with that kid, the kid essentially has his hand over the go button for, like, wipe out all life. Like, restart. And you see what it's about, and you see what it's capable of, what it's going to do to the world, how the world will change, how everyone will die. And in the first episode, you see... You see the, like, giant flame serpent come out of the mountain. And so you're seeing the consequences of, like, if this thing does the thing it's made to do, everybody's fucked. Just, like, everyone is fucked. And they even make a point, um, by, I think it's, like, episode, I forget, it's, like, the smack, I think it's the middle of the show, but the episode, the episode devoted to the Berserker, they make a point of being like, oh, you think all it's going to do is wreck this base? No, it's going to keep going. It's going to kill everybody. <laughs> like, this isn't a joke. This isn't a controllable thing. What are you doing? And you get the distinct sense that um, you have seen enough of this where he probably, like I said, started as an Arkham, like, Spriggan soldier. Just blank slate. My job is to get the thing, bring it back. If I can't bring it back, destroy it or make it unusable. But as he's gone along, he's realized like even it, like 
even if Arkham ends up to be the bad guys, because there's a there's um a couple characters basically say to him like, "Hey, are you sure you're on the right side?" Like, yes, the American military is super after all of these big like eldritch horror nightmare things, but so are you, and you're collecting them too. Like Arkham is collecting them. What are they gonna do with them? And he's like, I'll cross that bridge when, if, if and when I get there. And I... If Arkham is bad, I will go after Arkham in the same way I've gone after you guys or gone after these artifacts. If it's bad, I'll deal with it. And you see that his goal isn't to... You know, be a like loyal soldier for Arkham. His goal is to like repeatedly stop the apocalypse. And like I said in the before we started talking about the 2022 version of this, this show is this shows source materials from a different era, an era in which like. Anime was much more hyper-violent, much more, like, gory and, like, dark and moody. And you get all that, like, good... You get all that good 90s anime in this in this thing still. Which, you, which say what you will about the source material, you can love it or hate it. But it did have all that, like, good 90s anime vibes. That got a lot of us, dare I say, old Taku, into the jo- into the medium in the first place. So there is that, and that that gives it like a fun pace and a fun like feel that will keep you going for the like whole six episode run of the first section of the first season or whatever they were calling it on Netflix. And the other thing that comes kind of driving through the show is that, like, this show has a real sense of many of the characters, like, respect and love the Earth. And the character later named Bowman, who's, like, the last, who's, like, the last big vil- last big face to face villain of the show before the proper narrative ends and you get like a sneaky like next time the the thread is real kind of thing. Um and you see the ne- you see the the villain of the very least the next episode. Bowman and he's not the first person to do this, but he's the most concise person to do this. He looks out on like a big field, and he had this whole conversation about life. You know, even if we fuck up, like, this is all gonna still be here. Like, life is still gonna be here. And I want to protect, at the very least, I want to protect that. I don't necessarily care so much about, you know, humans and humans fucking themselves up. There's only so much I can do there. But I would like to protect, like, the birds and the bees and the antelopes and the trees. Um... And this show has a pretty big understanding of, like, 
like we we are part of the world and like human beings at the scale at the scale and capacity where they would be able to be looking for this stuff are not necessarily the best idea it's not going to go well for us and the and you see that in the individual characters of Spriggan. You see that in Yu's like devotion to just keeping shit out of the hands of people who would want to use it, whether that be the people who are now as employers or someone else. You see that even in like a kind of supporting a very lightly supporting character of the of one of the um of an operation director for Arkham, um, Director Yamamoto. Uh, Director Yamamoto straight up at some point is like, hey, um, they gave us distinct orders here, but I'm gonna say for the safety of you, a teenager, and the conscience of me, an adult, you don't have to go that far into the forest of no return. We can just say it's not there. And there's a fair chance nobody will ever fucking get to this thing. And that's that's really the that's actually the first time you're like, oh, Arkham, like what's up with Arkham? They're like they're sending tons of like military personnel into this forest who are just dying. They're just sending people to their death. To try and get at this, like, elixir of eternal life. And, and, and like, Arkham is said to be pretty... It's said to be, like, very competent. And you see that, like... The, the Spriggan intervene when things are spiraling. And the Spriggan's job is to, like, hold everything together... And, like, make sure humanity doesn't fuck itself over this time. Um, but there's a moment when um, Dew is in a temple and he's, like... He, he, I forget what he's doing in the temple. But he, like, approaches this thing. And he's like, oh, that is... Could you make it any more obvious that's a trap? And then you're introduced to... A, a really great character named um, Yoshino Some or Some Yoshino, and Yoshino is a great is a great is two things. She's a grave robber and a media and a spirit medium, Which, uh, and she's like an international grave robber. And you find out later that it's like you know her because they've had tons of like encounters and like. There are tons of artifacts that are just unusable, broken, or, like, uh, now unreachable by anybody because Yoshino fucked up and, like, tried to go for it and and just, like, screwed the pooch real hard. And that's another moment when you're like, oh, he's, like, he's supposed... If these artifacts are made, like, unreachable or unusable... Isn't that the goal? Why, like, why that disappointment? 
And also the entire time you see that you is wearing the thing that he calls an armored muscle suit, which was developed using like their limited understanding of the techno of Arkham's limited understanding of the technology of this like ancient civilization. And it has a psychic connection to him and it like helps him like buff up and fight better. And also it helps let them make like spirit like um spirit bomb orbs of like psychic blast in his hands and use those. But this organization seems awfully capable of weaponizing this tech that they're finding for an organization that's like, hey, um, nobody should ever use this. Like, just nobody. Except for us, maybe? Kind of? Sort of? So, uh, the show does the, the, at least this version of the show, I can't speak for the movie. Um, because it seems like the movie covers Noah's Ark. Um, but the show, the 2022, um, Netflix show, does a good job of presenting the contradictions and presenting and like laying out a clear path for like Arkham not being the good guy in this scenario. Being, but not being the bad guy, but being like less bad than the other bad guys on the block kind of thing. And, uh, but also it like gives you, it gives you real assholes to fight. It gives you, uh, more often than not, it's the American military doing some shadow shit using, like, paramilitary organizations and crap. But there's the one point at which the, the Crystal Skull one is straight up the Nazis. Like, like current age Nazis. And, <laughs> like, they don't call them Nazis, but they're Nazis. And the, the key thing here is, and the really important thing here is, when you shows up, he treats anybody trying to use the artifact in any way as an absolute dumbass. Like, because... And there, there are a number of um, characters who know about these artifacts because they've, like, researched them on the internet or whatever. But inevitably... The more, more, the more level-headed characters in this show all come to the conclusion that, like, this is fucked. This is a nightmare. I want, like, no. This is not a good scene. This is not a good idea. Like, I... I don't think we should use the crystal skull that can unleash... A nuclear power plant's worth of energy at a time. That's not... That doesn't seem like a proper... Anything. That seems like it gets you fucking dead. Is what that seems like. And... By the time you see the Berserker... You realize that some of these artifacts have been found multiple times. Or they've found a couple of them. Like, they found a couple of crystal skulls. Real ones. The, like, the real ones, not the fake ones. Because there's real and fake ones in this show. And every time they find them, they're like... They either blow themselves sky high, or the crystal skulls are retrieved. <laughs> and sealed. 
or like otherwise dealt with. Because they're nightmare things. And in the case of um, Berserker, that thing's been woken up one time already. And it didn't go well last time. So, or they've woken up one of them and it didn't go well. It ended up self-destructing and like taking an entire like military installation with it. Because of course it did. And so what this show is about really is about the kind of echoing hubris of people in power who drive is for more power. And then you have a character, I'm going to bring it back around to Yoshino, who isn't so much interested in the artifact as in the values the artifacts hold. They don't really explain that. She just seems like a greedy little, you know, grave robber. And she's not only, she's not exclusively after artifacts. She's after um, anything of value. Like when, when she can't get the, 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 um, this like neck, this like valuable, like ancient necklace. She, like, steals a whole bunch of other treasure instead. And she's fine with that. She, like, makes... She makes her take, basically. But also, she... Being a medium... Has a lot more insight into... What the fuck happened to, like, the people who went after so much... The... Elixir of Immortality? She, like, knows, straight up knows that shit. She... Is not in it for the power that comes along with these things. And in the case of the last episode, when she finds out that, like, the island she's on is fucked, she's like, okay, this necklace is what I'm gonna get. I'm not getting anything else out of this. This whole scenario is totally fucked upside down and backwards. And she tells the, the, um, main antagonist and you straight up like you dumbasses stop fighting we don't have time for this we're standing on an island that is about to explode into another dimension and take most of this hemisphere with it we need to go fix this right now guys and that and that leads to that, like, the, that is become the, like, conclusion of that episode and ultimately the last episode of the show. But what is the difference between, like, someone like Yoshino and all the, and, like, mainly the American and sometimes the Aryan nation, the, like, a great Aryan nation, um, or... Anybody going after these artifacts is that they are like everybody except for Yoshino and you are going after the artifacts for power. You is going after these artifacts essentially to stop them from ever being used ever again. Yoshino is going after them because she wants to make a buck. Like she's not interested. She is way less interested in living forever than selling this fucking piece of rock 
with some with some ancient letters carved in it to somebody who might want to live forever. She doesn't want to live forever. She wants to make blood boy money off of Jeff Bezos who wants to live forever. That's her deal. And that makes her a pretty endearing character because she's pretty straightforward, yo. And as as soon as like the tough gets tough, she gets smart and she's like, ah, oh, this is fucked. I'd like to be alive. Like I can't like I I don't have any use for all the money I'll make if I'm dead. Um, and I can't make money if I'm dead. So they show her using her medium powers for the um episodes that for the episode that revolves around Soma and she she kind of like an amusing nuisance for the for the last for the last episode and this whole thing seems kind of What's the best word for it? Um, it's certainly a mess because they like allude to having like multiple teachers, and they're like diving down all these like weird conspiratorial rabbit holes. It's it's the whole. It is the best and worst of. The, its era of like nineteen nineties ass, anime ass, vaguely cyberpunky, vaguely militaristic like dark fantasy bullshit it is the full kit and caboodle of that stuff the good and the bad it's like it's characters and their relationship towards not humanity but not necessarily just humanity but the world as a whole is interesting and their attempt at like making this a globe-hopping adventure kind of thing does work pretty okay. But it... And a lot of it is that they, you know, they, Netflix did a Netflix and they cut it off at the knees by making it six episodes because there's probably six more episodes in the can. But if this kept going, it would be more... It would be more interesting because you'd get more time with the characters. You'd get more time for that slow, for that gradual turn of like you being like, oh, Arkham might be the part of the problem. How do we deal with this? I'm pretty sure they own the thing, I, the like muscle suit I wear. If I can't use that, we're gonna have a problem here. And. Also, the, the, the bad guys, the, the antagonists of every episode all have something interesting. The least interesting is actually the Nazi guy. But even the Nazi guy is very clearly delusional and, like, very clearly does... In the way that, like, if the Nazis had really discovered some occult shit... They would fuck it up. He is fucking it up with the crystal skull. Like he's discovered it, and he's got it in his possession. And he almost he almost kills him and and all of his men in the desert <laughs> in an attempt to kill 
um, you, you who's like trying to get it back, trying to get the crystal skull from him to begin with. Like that shit, it's just so dominant. Like makes it makes the show's point brilliantly of like, listen, the kind of people who want this kind of power are not going to be intelligent or surgical in their use of this power. They are going to be dumbasses, one way or another. It's not going to go well. They do not understand the like gravity of what the fuck they're messing with. So, the, so it can't go well. So it's better if nobody uses it. Nobody uses any of this shit. Like, um, a perfect example is, um, a perfect real world example is the concept of mutually assured destruction. So, generally what keeps countries from nuking each other is the idea of mutually assured destruction. And that is the fact that through probably fucking fate, because if it didn't happen, we wouldn't have lasted this long. We certainly wouldn't have lasted as long as a species. There's a big web of alliances between all these different countries. All these different nuclear-armed countries, key point. And that means that if, say, Russia launched a nuke on America, that sets off a daisy chain of other countries launching nukes at other countries until we are all dead. We are all just... Living on a big glowing fucking ball and dying. And the... That's kind of the way you is functioning as a Spriggan under these conditions. And that's the way lots of the Spriggan are functioning. It's like, listen. If like people get their hands on this psychotic nightmare shit, everyone will die. Including that person who's using it. It may take a little longer for them to die, but they will die. Like it, this did not spell good things for the human for humankind. And the result of that is this show, and the show's like cast of characters, and it's cast specifically of antagonists, all of whom in some way have like lost. Law, who who have either now or eventually lose faith in whatever system they're serving. So by the end of the Noah's Ark episode, which is the same con, which is the same um, territory covered by the nineteen ninety eight movie, you find out that like this little kid who had made a colonel, who had who's been like experimented on by the Pentagon. Was just kind of happy that it was over. Like, he didn't really want to be the one who decided who lived or died. He just kind of wanted, like, this was just the only path he could go on for it to end. For, like, there to be an end. And he just kind of, like, his eyes glaze over and he dies. It just, it's the way it goes. The most interesting one, by far, which, if I had to guess, is going to come back in some way, is... The female um, military officer slash scientist 
who signed up with the military because she got because the military notoriously and this is true militaries of every country have the best funding for the sciences because they want to like make weapons out of that shit or they want to understand what weapons are going to come at them and then make weapons to to counter that shit by the end of the episode where she shows up she's like um yeah i'm not i'm not part of the royal army anymore like i'm not part of the royal armed forces anymore this shit is a nightmare you guys are morons. You almost got the whole world fucking lasered in the face. You dumbasses. That kid, who you're describing as a domestic terror, as a far-right national terrorist, is the only reason we're alive. And I don't even know how he did it, really. Fuck this, I'm out. You see, later, um... A character from the Crystal Skull thing. Straight up she like. Decides to help you. And become the teacher at his school. Which is also funded by Arkham's Massive budget. And she is like. I thought my dad was crazy. Until I saw what the fuck that thing was capable of. And now I'm like oh hey. This shouldn't be. Like, we need to keep this shit out of people's hands. And, like, you kind of know where this show's building to. You kind of know why they're, like, got all these pieces on the board. But at the same time, it's... It's interesting. The the concept is interesting. Because the concept is essentially... You have good guys, and then you have fucking morons. You people who are idiots who don't understand that, like, this stuff is all from out of Pandora's box. None of it will be good. And none of it will even be less bad than each other. It will be just different kinds of equally nightmarish by the end. And the more, and if you get your hands on this shit, what you should do is you should immediately be like, hey, no, mm-mm, lock in a box, drop it to the bottom of the ocean, tell no one else. And as far as this show can, te- can say, there are banishingly few people who, like, honestly believe that. And the people who honestly believe that, believe that that's the best solution are the people who are already dead, meaning the, like, ancient civilization that made this stuff, that got them killed, very clearly, and they make that, they make that illusion with the island episode, like, the, the vanishing island was, to, was converted from whatever the fuck it was to an evacuation facility that then fucked up and killed everyone in very horrific ways. By hopping back and forth through dimensions. Without warning. <clears throat> but the... The characters that are like, hey, none of this should be allowed. Like, we, no. Mm-mm. Some, some bridges are too far. Have a very societal outlook on life. They have a very communal, a very earth-friendly, a very 
self-aware place in the universe, like understanding of their place in the universe. And the show is setting you up to like ask the question like, yeah, but... And, and Ari makes you ask the question of like, yeah, but the people they work for aren't. And the only one who escapes that is actually Yoshino because she just kind of like does her own thing and like, like get bitches, make money kind of thing. But like, she's a little different because when the chips are down, she can tell like, this shit is a nightmare. No, uh-uh. And, and the show makes sure that like anything that she tried to get away with that could fuck up something isn't useful anyway. Like, when she, um, takes pictures of the broken parts of the tablet that is the, um, brewing instructions for Soma, the elixir of life, straight up the main ingredient is ambrosia, which does not exist anymore. And she's like, God damn it. Wasn't even useful to begin with. The only thing that would have been useful is the completed tablet that I could, like, sell to a museum collection or some bullshit. Um, but the... It, so it's just, it's an interesting... It's an interesting show and it's, like, perspective on, like, what the line is, why people approach the line, what people who work for others... Um, think about what they're doing and why they keep doing it, even if they're, even if their goals don't perfectly align with um their employers. But in the end, it's the most the most interesting about it is that it's very clearly a thing from a different era, from like a more hype. Like I keep saying, more hyper violent more seeped in, like, cyberpunk aesthetics, more militaristic in its storytelling era of anime. So if you're at all interested in what that might look like, um, definitely go check it out. It is a pretty good-looking show. They do a good job of, like, not super-leaning as hard as they could have on the CG, but even the CG looks pretty okay. And on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. If you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. The Sunday editions are more metatextual. If you want a good example of that, go listen to the last Sunday edition all about what an ending what an ending could look like. What like a like a episode ending could look like. Um if you really like this show, share it with a friend. And um, rate it in whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And definitely subscribe for more. On that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And we'll talk to you on next Thursday.